Welcome to the New Point Community Church Podcast. This message is part of our series, Better. We want to thank you for joining us, and we hope this inspires you and builds your faith. Hello, New Point. I want to welcome each and every one of you, however and wherever you are joining us. I want to encourage you just to let us know who you are and where you're from. We'd love to be able to connect with you. Incredible song, right? Incredible, incredible song. But like most songs, they're filled with half-truths. It is true that money cannot buy me love. It's a lie that I don't care about money, though. Would you agree with me? I mean, the fact of the matter is all of us care about money. Money matters. Would you agree with me? Because it pays bills. It buys us food to live on. It, it pays the rent. It allows us to be able to enjoy good things. The question is, how much? How much? How much money do I really need? And will I use it for the right purposes? And in the end, how much will it profit me? Well, we're in this series called Better. And better is when life gives you and I choices, we want to choose better. We want to choose better. And so today we want to talk about money. Money matters. And the wealthiest man who ever lived gives us instructions. You see, that's Solomon. He's the teacher. We're in the book of Ecclesiastes. And he's very wise and he's very wealthy. Matter of fact, he's filthy rich. He's filthy rich. I, I mean, his house took 13 years to build. He has 1,400 chariots. His income, just his base income, is $20 million. And we're talking 4,000 years ago, folks. And that doesn't include the exports and the imports and all the other stuff that he had his hands in. Very, very wealthy, filthy, rich. And so we want to talk about the fact that money does matter. And for some of us, it's a noun. Yeah, it pertains to things. For others, it might be a verb. It supremely matters to us. Now, Billy Graham, another wise man, I'm sure that you've heard of him, he said this. He said, if a person gets his attitude toward money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area in his life. I think that to be true. I, I, I think when, you know, when it all comes back to most issues in life, it comes back to money. That's why we're so sensitive about it when somebody talks about it, especially someone like me. Because the fact of the matter is we have a tendency to think that money is the answer to everything. Because money does matter, but it can't buy you love. It can't buy you love. And so Solomon, he writes this book called Ecclesiastes, and he's basically journaling things, and he's observing people, watching people, and from his own experience. And he talks about money in chapter 5. But before he talks about money, in the first eight verses, and I would encourage you to read it, 
We're not going to go there today. But he talks about going to church. And it's funny because he talks about going to church and then, and then he goes into his gig on, on money. But he says, when you go to church, don't be making all kinds of vows to God that you're not going to keep. Because that's what we have a tendency to do. We have a tendency to go to church and then we make these promises to God that maybe our intentions are well, but the fact of the matter is we never keep them. And he says it's better not to make a vow to God than to make a vow and not keep it. And so what he says is just fear God. Fear God. And if you fear God, that means you have a reverence of respect for him. You'll do all right. And then he kicks in to talking about money. And here's what he has to say. Don't be surprised if you see a poor person being oppressed by the powerful and if justice is being miscarried throughout the land. Oh my, did he write this yesterday? No, he wrote this 4,000 years ago. And that's why Solomon would tell you and I, there's nothing new under the sun. We're people, we're broken, we live in a fallen world. And he's basically saying that there's always been people who have been oppressed by the powerful. And that justice has been miscarried throughout the world. He said it's always been that way because we're broken. We live in a fallen world. He goes on to say this. He says, for every official is under orders from higher up and matters of justice gets lost in the red tape and bureaucracy. True, is it not? True, you see, God's word is relevant. It's, it's called the living word because no matter where you're at in life and no matter what time you are in life. It speaks to us, and he's describing our day. That matters of justice gets lost in the red tape and your bureaucracy, even in his day. And then he goes on to say this. He says, even the king milks the land for his own profit. <laughs> you know what he's saying? He's saying, even those who are in charge of our government, who's in charge of the world. You know what they do? They milk the land for their own profit. That means that they take advantage of ways in which they can make money. You see, Jesus talked about money a lot. Why? Because he knew that the love of money is the root of all evil. It's the root of all evil. And you can trace any evil in our world today, and I promise you, it'll go back to the pictures of dead presidents. It'll go back to money, the green stuff. Because the love of money, not money, money's neutral, but the love of money is the root of all evil. So if you see it in our world, if you see it in our government, if you see it in our community, if you see it in a business, I promise you, if there's evil there, trace it back to the love of money. And so Solomon, now after he gives us this picture and he's letting people know that, hey, you know what? There is corruption all throughout the land. It's always gonna be there. The powerful is always gonna oppress the poor people. 
And the fact of the matter is we all do it to one another. We're all guilty in one way or another. And then he dives into this issue of money that corrupts people. And he gives us some insight that can help me and can help you. And so here's what he says. He starts off with this. He says, money will not provide. Money will not provide. You see, Solomon was an expert on this subject, like very few other people. And, and, and he comes and he says this. He says, money will not what? Will not provide satisfaction. It will not provide satisfaction. That's what he says. He says, I know it. I, I'm the wealthiest man who's ever lived. And I thought it would satisfy me. And, and this is the way in which we think. We have a tendency to think if we could just make this much money, then we would be satisfied. But the fact of the matter is we're not satisfied because your yearning power will always exceed your earning power. And you always want more. And Solomon talks to this when he says this. He says, whoever loves money will never have enough money. Y'all Okay. Whoever loves wealth will never be satisfied with it. He just says, you know, wherever you're at in the economic world, it's just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. And what he says is, this is useless because we think it's going to satisfy us. And it doesn't. You see, if money would satisfy you and me, if, if stuff would satisfy you and me, then what happens is the wealthiest people would be the happiest people. But the wealthiest people aren't the happiest people. You know that, and I know that, okay? And so he says that, that money will not provide satisfaction, and money will not provide significance. It will not provide significance. We have a tendency to think that <clears throat> if we could just live in this house, if we could just drive this car, if we could just wear these clothes, then we would be significant. We will feel significant. But Jesus, and as we've learned, who's greater than Solomon, wiser than Solomon. Here's what Jesus had to say about it. He said, be careful and guard against all kinds of greed. There's all kinds of greed. He says, be on guard, guard against it. Life is not measured by how much one owns. Your significance is not measured by how much you own or what kind of car you drive or the kind of house that you live in or the vacations that you take. And then he says this, he says, money cannot provide security. Money cannot provide security or will not provide security. You, you see, may, maybe you can pull out a dollar bill. We're not going to take an offering, okay, but maybe you can pull out a dollar bill. And you see this front picture of George, but if you'll flip it on the back, guess what you'll see? On the right-hand side, you will see a bird, you will see an eagle, eagle. and his wings are what? Spread. You know Why? Because money does that. Money flies away. It disappears. Look what Solomon has to say. Solomon says this, for riches can disappear as though they had wings of a bird. They just fly away. And so whatever you put your security in becomes your God. And so if money is your God, if you think that money will provide you security, what happens is it'll fly away away. You see, money can buy a lot of things. Okay, can't buy you love, but money can buy a lot of things. It can buy you comfort, but it can't buy you satisfaction. It can't buy you significance. It can't buy you security. 
So Solomon continues down this path as he's journaling. And he says, money will not provide you significance and satisfaction and security. But he says, let me tell you what money will bring to you, though. And he lists four or five things. And the first thing that he says is this. He says that, that money, okay, money will, will, will bring you, okay, will bring you expenses, okay? That's what he says. He says money will bring more expenses. The more money that you have, the more money you will spend. Isn't that true? Sure. You're spending more money now than what you ever have. And that's just the way it is. Look what he has to say. Here's what he has to say, okay? He says that money will bring more expenses. He says the more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. Isn't that true, okay? You end up finding out you have family that you didn't even know. So what is the advantage of wealth except perhaps to watch it run through your fingers? So what's he saying? Money will bring more expenses to you. But he goes on to say that money will bring you not only more expenses, but money will bring you more worries. The more money you have, the more worries you have. Isn't that true? Absolutely. Look what he says. This is incredible. He says, people who work hard sleep well, whether they eat little or much. But the rich, okay, that'd be you and me, by the way, okay, the rich are always worrying about and seldom get a good night's sleep. Why? Because we're worrying. We're, we're asking ourselves, how do I save it? How do I protect it? How do I invest it? And so he's saying that money will bring more expenses, but it'll bring more worries. I, I need to protect it. I don't want anybody to take it. He goes on and he says this. He says, there is another serious problem, though. And he says, I see under the sun hoarding riches harms the savior. So the saver. So what, what, what he's saying here is he's, he's given balance. He's saying, yeah, you know, the person who loves money will never have enough. Okay, because you'll just spend, 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 spend. But he's also warning us against hoarding things. You see, money is like manure. You pile it high, it stinks. You spread it out and around and it helps things grow. And so what he is saying is, remember that you're stewards and that God didn't give you the money, didn't give me the money just to spend it on myself, but he didn't give it just for us to hoard it. He gave it to you and I to be a blessing to other people. And so Solomon would say in his journal that money brings more expenses and worries and pain, especially if it's lost. It brings pain. He writes this in his journal. He says, money is put into risky investments that turn sour. Have you ever had that happen? Sure. And everything is lost. He says that, that what happens is when you have money, you look for places to invest, and we're not always wise in the investment, and we can't control the, the, the stock market, and you can lose it. And, and so having money can be very painful if you lose it. He goes on to say this. He says, in the end, there is nothing left to pass on to one's children. And what Solomon would say in the book of Proverbs is that it's good for you and I to be able to leave our kids some financial means. Not too much, 
that it ruins them, but enough to help them have a start in life. He goes on to say this. He says, we all come to the end of our lives as naked and empty, handed as on the day we were born. We can't take our riches with us. What's he saying? He, he's saying that we came into the world naked and we left, we're going to leave the world naked. And, and, and so you need to understand that at one time or another, you're going to lose it all. You can't take it with you. And so Solomon would, would say to you and I that money, money brings more expenses, worries, pain. And then he would say this, it brings more responsibility. It brings more responsibility to you and to me. It just does. Here's what he says about that. He says, and this too is very serious. He says, this is a very serious problem. People leave this world no better off than when they came. Why? Because we're greedy. We're, 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 just, we're, we're just taking it all in. And what is greed? Greed is when you think that everything that comes your way and through your hands is for you. And when we think that way, we don't leave the world better off. Because we're not looking at leveraging it to be able to help other people around us. And he says, this is a serious problem that people leave this world no better off than when they came. You don't want that said of you. I definitely don't want it said of me. I, I, I want when I leave this world, hey, you know what? Mason made a difference. He cared. He was intentional. He was generous. He says, all their hard work is for nothing, like working for the what? The wind. He goes on to say this. He says, throughout their lives, they live under a cloud, frustrated, discouraged, and angry. Those are people who are consumed with greed, frustrated, discouraged, and angry. Do you know the number one problem in marriages is money? And that's what he's talking about. And so Solomon tells us, what money will not provide, and he tells us what money will bring. And so he concludes his chapter in his journal with this. Here's what he says, okay? He says, even so, I have noticed one thing at least that is good. Okay, all those other things might not be good, but I've noticed one thing that is good. It is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work under the sun, during the short life God has given them. And by the way, you know and I know that life is short. It's but a vapor. It's here and gone. God has given them and to accept their lot in life. And, and, and he's saying to you and I that, that God has something for you and God has something for me. He goes on and he says it like this. He says, and it is a good thing to receive wealth from God. Because Guess who gave you the wealth? Guess who's given you everything that you have? It's come from God. We need to remember that. And the good health to enjoy it. That's incredible. To enjoy your work and to accept your lot in life, this indeed is a gift from God. And he says God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they can take no time to brew over the past. I mean, wouldn't it be good if you could just leave the past behind? and not brew over it. He says here, he says, God wants you to be able to do that. And so he wants to give you wealth, and he wants to give you health, and he wants to give you life, so that what happens is you can stay busy in blessing other people and enjoying it yourself, and not think about the past, but think about the future. 
And so Solomon, his conclusion is this, we need to be grateful. We need to be grateful for all that God has blessed us with. Everything that I have is because of the goodness of God. Everything I have. And so he writes these words. He says, moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and to be happy in their toll, this is a gift of God. What do you do when somebody gives you a gift? You're grateful for it. You want to be grateful. But he also says you want to be glad. He, sa- he says you want to not only be grateful, but you want to be glad. And he writes these in his journal. He says, he says this. He says, it is better to see what you have than to want more. He says, be glad with what you have. Look at what you have. You have so much. But the problem with this is that we're thinking that those things will bring us satisfaction and significance and security, and they don't. So we think we need more. But what he is saying is, no, you need to see what you have more than what you don't have and be glad over it. And then he says this. He says, be generous. Be generous with all of this. Realize that you're a steward that you're just passing through. He says this, he says, give generously for your gifts will return to you later. What he is saying is, you know what, when you and I bless other people with what God has blessed us with, as we enjoy it as well, that what happens is there's a return on that. It's incredible. It blesses us, it refreshes us, it renews us. And when we leave this world, people will know that we have been here because of our generosity. And then he says, be godly with it. Be godly, be godlike, for God so loved the world that he what? He gave, he gave. You see, Jesus, the one who's greater than Solomon, he said this 2,000 years ago. He said, no man, no man can serve, okay, two masters. That's what he says. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and man. He says that in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. And so what Solomon would say to you and me is be grateful, be glad, be generous, and be godly. And see, this is the theme all throughout life because about 1,200 years later, a man named Paul heard the teachings of Solomon And he gave a message to a group of people, much like I am today. And here's what he wrote. He said, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain it'll take wings and fly away, okay? But to put their hope in God, which which provides us, okay, with everything for our enjoyment. Everything that you have and everything that I have, God provides for us for our enjoyment. Command them to do what? To do good. To do good, to bless other people, to make a mark, to leave a mark in life, and to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and be willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. Now check this out, okay? So that they may take hold of life that is truly life. Solomon would say this and echoes this. He says what happens is money is a tool. It's a tool to be able to meet specific needs in your life. It's a tool to be a blessing in other people's life. I would say it like this. It's a tool to use what we have for God's purposes. That's what it is. It's a tool so that you and I can give systematically 
to God's work. One of the things that Patty and I have practiced all of our married life is that we give systematically. We determine every year how much we're going to give. And then we, we, we choose to, to, to save some and then live on the rest. So what happens is that creates discipline in our life. And so money is not our master. It's a tool. It's our servant. Because it's not going to tell us what to do. We're going to tell money what to do. And so let me wrap up with this thought. You might be in a job and you might be secure. You might be making more money than what you've ever made in all of your life. But the truth be known, you feel insecure and you feel fearful. And underneath all of the stuff that you have, you feel pretty weak. To others, to your friends, to other family members, you appear to be fulfilled. But the truth of the matter is, you're wondering, where is all of this leading me? Because I thought by now I would feel significant. I thought I would be satisfied. I, I, I thought I would feel more secure. And yet what happens is your restless drive for more. And at the same time, your desire for peace and contentment seems so far apart. And deep down inside, there's nothing really satisfying you, though you have a good living, a good income. Your possessions are growing. But the truth of the matter is you're not. And nothing that you have has been able to fill that hole or bring that fulfillment or satisfaction or security that you want. And so you've always been on this treadmill. If I could just get this job, if, if we could just build this house, if we could just have this, then I would feel that way. And what has happened is you've allowed the smoke screen of stuff and more money to blind you to the eyes of truth. That just having money will never make you rich. Money's never made anybody rich. It's something more than that. Money matters, absolutely. But it matters how we view it and how we handle it. I love what Ray Jones has to say, and here's what he would say, talking about money. He says, you hold me in your hand and call me yours, yet I may not as well call you mine. See how easily I rule you? To gain me, you would, have, you would all but die. I'm invaluable as rain, essential as water. Without me, men and institutes would die. Yet I do not hold the power of life for them or significance or satisfaction or security. I am futile without the stamp of your desire. I go nowhere unless you send me. For me, men mock and love and scorn character. Yet I am appointed to the service of saints to give education to the growing mind and food to the starving bodies of the poor. My power is terrific. Handle me carefully and wisely, lest you become my servant rather than I yours. You say, he says money matters, but it's how you approach it. It's your view of it. 
And Jesus tells us how we should view it. The one that's wiser than Solomon. And he says these words, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. You see, I have to ask myself, am I in it for my kingdom? Then money will never satisfy. It'll never bring significance. It'll never bring security. Or am I in it for God's kingdom? And I want to say, God, I, I, I want to be able to enjoy the things that you've given me. But I also want to be able to leverage it so that I can leave a mark in this world when I'm gone. So what do you need to do? Maybe for some of us today, we, we need to accept Jesus Christ and experience the significance and the satisfaction and the security that he brings. And you can do that through a simple prayer. God, as much as I know how and understand, I invite you into my life. I want your love. I want your acceptance. I want your contentment. And he'll give it to you. For others of us, we've made that decision, but the fact of the matter is, it's not in God we trust. It's what that is written on that we trust. And it's money. And so we'll never feel secure, we'll never feel satisfied, we'll never feel significant as long as that's the case. And today, maybe you need to say, God, you know what? I want to trust you. I want to be grateful. I want to be glad. I want to be generous and I want to be godly in how I view this issue of money. And he'll give it to you. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you today for who you are. And we thank you for wise men like Solomon who are not talking about some theory. They've lived it. They've experienced it. He was filthy rich and he was on a mission for satisfaction and significance and security and yet he found out that money, though it matters, will never be able to provide that. Only you can. And so God, I pray for me and I pray for my friends here today that we would view money in a way that honors you and that we will see it as a tool. We will see it as a, 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 of something that we can enjoy, but we can bless others with, and that we will never allow it to control our life, that we will always be the one who's in charge of it and not allow it to be in charge of us. And so we thank you for Solomon's wisdom today, and it's in his name we pray, the name Jesus. Amen. If you want to talk to someone about a decision you've made, or let us know how God's moving through this series, visit newpoint.org forward slash contact. Be sure to stay connected with us throughout the week on social media. Download our app, subscribe to our weekly podcasts through Google Play or the App Store, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening to today's message, and we hope you continue to realize and reach your full potential in Jesus Christ.